If you like weird history, true crime, haunted and paranormal, then pause the podcast you're listening to right now and subscribe to Ghost Town wherever you listen to podcasts. We also have a video component to our favorite Ghost Town episodes at youtube.com slash Jason Horton. Episodes like The Los Feliz Murder House, The Toxic Lady, The Black Dahlia, Janis Joplin's Hotel Room, The Haunted Roosevelt Hotel, and more. Just go to youtube.com slash Jason Horton. That's youtube.com slash J-A-S-O-N-H-O-R-T-O-N. And while you're there, please subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. Thank you. It's the Friends Without Benefits podcast. My name is Jason Horton. Welcome to the show. Today I sit down and have a chat with Christine Barger. I hope I'm saying that right. I'm not sure if it's right. And I'm just going to roll the dice and hope that it's right. But Christine is an actor. She has a very vast online presence. And she's a ventriloquist, which is a word I don't say very often. So when I say ventriloquist, I'm like, is that the way you say it? Uh, I didn't think that it is. And I don't really know anything about ventriloquism. But uh, I guess I wanted to know. And I found out. Also, I guess one of the, I mean, I found it really interesting is Christine's first acting job was acting with Philip Seymour Hoffman, which she casually mentioned, where I, and I think I say this when we talk, that's how I would start and end every conversation. I don't care how obnoxious it is. Because if my first job or any job involved acting with Philip Seymour Hoffman, um, I'd be like, that's, that's going to be my opener and my closer. So she casually mentions that. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of Spotify lately. Not actually listening to Spotify is not a thing. It's just a a uh, conduit, a vessel in which you could you know listen to music and podcasts or books. You're, and I'm talking about this like I'm getting you hip to it. But for me, it's like I used to listen to Spotify. Then for some reason, I couldn't log back in. And then I was like, you know, what? I'm not using this anymore. It's dumb um, for no good reason. So I've kind of rediscovered it. I think when I went to visit my mother in Florida, I was like, uh, you know, I was going to the, the, the gym there and I was like, I want to listen to music. Uh, and I was like, let me get the Spotify thing going again. And I did. And it's great. Uh, and the friends without benefits podcast is on there. I don't know if you knew that, but if you want to, uh, go search it friends without benefits in the search bar and then hit follow. And then you can get the episodes as they come out. And I guess in between those episodes, there's 10 billion songs you can listen to or podcasts you can listen to, books, audiobooks. It's never ending. The thing is, I'll listen to things and I'll be, then they'll suggest other things I might like. And I'm like, oh, I remember I like those things. So Spotify is reminding me, hey, you used to like a lot of things. Um, listen to them and, and, and then go down a never ending kind of rabbit hole of music and never really even finish one song sometimes. So. Friends Without Benefits is on Spotify. Uh, I've been wondering when I do stand-up lately if I should uh, switch off from glasses to contact lenses. I just wonder, are the glasses, um, do they, are they part of the joke? Maybe the jokes are not strong enough on their own where you kind of need this physical version. Because that's pretty much like, I'm pretty much like a, a, me up there. So it's like this thing is telling these jokes. I wonder if the glasses uh are helping sell it. But if I want to wear contact lenses, I'm going to be set because I have simple contacts. Simple contacts is the most convenient way to renew your contact lens prescription and reorder your brand of contacts from anywhere in minutes. It's vision care for the 21st century. I'm telling you, I wasn't wearing contact lenses anymore and I was like, I want to wear contact lenses and simple contacts made it really, really simple. If you need to renew your prescription, take a five minute vision test from your phone or computer. And I did it and I was like, it can't be this easy. It's got to be harder because things like that are always harder. But no, it was. It took it might even took less than five minutes, but it definitely took about five minutes, and it was super easy, and that was the hurdle for me. It's like I don't want to go to an eye doctor and park and make an appointment and go through a whole thing and try to get upsold on things. Um, simple contacts made that easy for me. It's reviewed by a licensed doctor. You receive a renewed prescription and reorder your contacts. All you need are your current contacts and internet connection in 10 feet of space. Do you have that? I was worried about the 10 feet of space part because I was like, what is 10 feet? And I don't live in a mansion like some of you. 
And if you have an unexpired prescription, just upload a photo or your doctor's information and order your lenses. You can renew your prescription and reorder your contacts from anywhere in minutes. No more doctor's offices or waiting rooms. The vision test is self-guided and takes about five minutes. Think how much time you're going to save compared to making an appointment, going to the eye doctor, you have to take time off, parking. I know I bring up parking a lot, but like, that's huge for me. It's designed by doctors and licensed ophthalmologists. They review every test carefully to make sure your eyes look healthy and that your vision hasn't changed. Simple Contacts has all the brands and types of lenses you're familiar with, so you never have to shop around to find the lenses at the best price. I have an astigmatism. I need very specific lenses, and Simple Contacts has them. Simple Contacts has been rated five stars over 3,000 times on the App Store. You can text with the support team and get to speak with an actual person, not a robot. The vision test is only $20. Compare that with an appointment, that insurance, that could be over $200. The contact lens prices are unbeatable. Standard shipping is free and you get $30 off your contacts by going to simplecontacts.com slash friends or enter friends at checkout. That's simplecontacts.com slash friends or you can just enter friends at checkout. All right, let's get into my conversation with Christine Barger. Do you say that every time you put on airplane mode? Yeah, I have <laughs> Is that to. necessary? Or? Otherwise, I don't know I did it. Oh, okay. I'll forget. I forget a lot. I can't find the um, alarm. There it is. I'm sure my alarms aren't going to go. Here's one. I'll turn that off. This is a okay. uh, first time with iPhone with Jason Horton. <laughs> yes. <laughs> People that have never used an iPhone before. I'm really, really bad at the iPhone. Well, get with it. <laughs> I, I use it every day. I a know. Lot. So I'm saying, like, you of all people should like know it, like maximize the potential of an iPhone. I know how to use like apps on it, right? Okay, but I don't know how to use the actual iPhone, right? Like when I have to update an app, I, that's like a two hour process for me. I'm like, honey, how do I get to the app store? And yeah. Jeremiah is like, oh god. My wife is like this. She's very very <laughs> tech savvy, and I only am as far as I how I know how to use it. Beyond that, I just don't want to learn. I just will burden somebody else with informing me. Because I don't want to look it up myself. No. What the hell is Google for? I don't it know. doesn't do it for me. No? No. Just the husband will just get frustrated and take it yeah. and just do it, so I don't have to mess so with it. So you just say, hey, husband, so and I then never like Siri, learned. and he just answers the questions? Pretty much. Yeah. He's my Siri. Oh. I don't, I don't know if that's cuter. good or bad. He's cuter than How do you Siri. know what Siri looks like, though? How dare Haven't you? Have you seen her? She's like this little circle black box thing that sits on your table. She's not that cute. I See, the thing is, I'm like the inside that counts kind of guy, so I'm not like... Surface like you are, I guess. I kind of feel like Siri is the kind of woman who would take over the world and let you die yeah. for her benefit. So if the insides, that's what counts. I mean, I think she's kind of in cahoots with that like animated woman that said she was literally going to take over the world. Did you? Know, did, no, you don't, don't know about her. No, I don't know about the animated. Uh, they, woman. they built a giant woman, like not a giant woman. She's like regular sized. <laughs> But she's giant for like a robot. Projecting. But she's a big, like a regular human sized robot. Yeah. But she like walk and do stuff and like be creepy. And, and she became self aware. She became, yeah, she's, she knows she's a robot and she made jokes about robots taking over the world. So they shut her off. Wow. Because <laughs> they got scared. Wow. We don't That's want to take know about that. over human, no. humanity. Mm. Computers are scary. Uh, where are you from? I'm from Indiana. Oh. Yes, Interesting. I, I live in LA now. Right, yeah. It's be a heck of a heck of a There's cruise a over here. Yeah, this drive. Woo. What what's what part of Indiana? Like what's the general area? Are you familiar with Indiana? I mean, I've driven through it and stayed at a hotel. <laughs> okay, so it was not near your hotel. It was not Indianapolis. No. No. I went to school at Ball State, which was Muncie. Okay. But I grew up in northern Indiana, kind mm. of by Valparaiso. Gary. Gary, I've heard of that. That's okay. where uh, uh, the Jacksons are from, right? Yes, not really near Gary, but yes, yeah. kind of by Gary. Like okay. an hour and a half from Gary. That's my random trivia <laughs> that I yeah. knew the Jacksons the from Jackson Gary. Jackson 5. Gary is not a super cool, like, fun place like the song and the music man makes it out to be. What, uh, when did you leave there? Uh, a couple of years ago. Oh, so, <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, how about, okay, got it, got it, got it. So, I mean, like, I was after college, in college, at, actually, in college. In college. Okay. So it was, it was a significant time. I've been in L.A. Where did you, when you, like, I just feel like, because I come from, uh, I was born in New Jersey, grew up in New York, so it's a kind of like a, people want to go to New York. Maybe not New Jersey so much, even though I love it, but I, sometimes I think about people in Indiana 
do they always have things like, I got to get out of here? Um, I feel like the ones who want to do something bigger yeah. than Indiana can't wait to get out, and everyone else is really excited to be there. What uh, If you were to stay in Indiana, uh, what do you think you'd be doing right now? Um, I would probably have a trailer full of children. Okay, <laughs> that's what everybody else you did. So even in Indiana, you don't have like you don't, you don't you don't have like high expectations for yourself. But that's kind of what that's like kind of what happens. Well, because there's not a whole lot of opportunity. I mean, yeah. it's different now. It's different because the internet has made things much more accessible than when I was growing up. Because when I was growing up, there wasn't like oh, you could be a YouTuber yeah. or a content creator as a career. So I wouldn't have thought of that, and I would have not been in the right demographic to find out about it had I not been in a place like Los Angeles. In yeah. Indiana, the people my age that I talk to are like, you do what on the internet? Yeah. How do you make money doing that? And so it's not like they understand the opportunity as much. Um, the younger people do, but I, I would have missed that boat completely. Um, I probably would still be doing ventriloquism like yeah. for kids' parties and... I, don't, gonna, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have stayed there. So I don't. Yeah. I can't even imagine because that's not what I would have done. Yeah. I couldn't wait to leave. Uh, I sat through my like graduation, just like, smiling like a crazy person. Just could not wait to be out of that school and move on with my life. And, and this is college on. you're talking about. No, that was high school. Like, but you I, stayed there for college. Well, I I didn't want to. I um, I screwed up my interview at the school I wanted to go to, and so I went to my second choice school. How'd you screw it up? I got so nervous I forgot my name in the interview. Okay. So I just kind of stood there. Yeah, you don't deserve it. No, that's, and they you were don't deserve like, it. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, uh, hi, you're going to do your monologue? I was like, yeah. And they said, can you tell us your name? And I just kind of stood there shaking yeah. my head, like yeah. trying to remember my name. And, cause, Did yeah. they let you do the monologue after that? I couldn't remember that either. I got through the first well, yeah. like four words like okay, 12 so times. It's not just a name thing. Let's, let's, uh... I completely. Like I, I was, I've never been so nervous before because I wanted something so bad that I just screwed it up entirely. So you were gonna and go for like a, a, a for theater, theater, yeah, for theater in Chicago, and they, um, and they said we would love to offer you a scholarship for like math or science, but yeah, <laughs> but you can't get in our theater program. And I was like, I can't go to the theater program. I'll go to my my second choice, which was Ball State, because I had done a, a program there in school. So I was familiar with that school and familiar, familiarity, Famil familiarity. Why is that word so hard? I don't know. It's I'm thinking in my head. Familiarity like, um, is is a big thing. Like when you're young, like even though I wanted to leave, I was still a little frightened. I didn't know what the world was like. I mean, I had been to Chicago, but I'd never been to a big city outside of Chicago. So I went to Ball State, and then I immediately like signed up for the exchange program to London. So I went to London, and then I started to get worldly. Came back I love with London. an accent. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, people might have been rolling their eyes like crazy when you came back, and you're oh, just like, yeah. full stop, right? I've never been to London <laughs> a few times, and I, I went there for like a YouTube, uh, the YouTube Music Awards. So a bunch oh, of us right. went over to the YouTube space in uh, London, and we were there for like a week or whatever. But it, I just were, like heard things so many times. Like full stop was like was was definitely <laughs> one of them. Uh, mind so you, the gap. Yeah, got to mind the gap. Mind the uh, gap. So you went to what was the exchange program in London? So I went to um, Westminster College in London for a semester. And I get, this is a study abroad program, so you're there living with kids from. So Ball, Ball State, State got one of them. <laughs> yeah, we got we got an exchange program. <laughs> it doesn't seem like a fair deal, for you know you got to go to London. I mean, I don't know what Ball. Listen, it might be great. I love London. I don't know, but maybe somebody in, in London's like, I want to go to the U.S. So, and then they went to Ball State. I don't know. It wasn't. It wasn't like a fair, like one to one ratio. No, exchange. in my mind it is. That's because that's what I thought it's it was. A sitcom too. in my mind. I was like, I need someone from London to switch places with me yeah. for a semester, but that's not exactly how it works. So we we all lived like I don't know, ten deep, I think, in these apartments with each other from the school, and we had like a per diem, and they kept an eye on us. And of course, as soon as we got there, everybody starts getting like drunk mm. immediately. And I was like, why is everyone drinking? We're in London. We have the opportunities to hop over to Dublin and hop over to, you know, Loch But there's Ness pubs and... every... <laughs> right, but yeah. I was like, I hadn't drank in school either. Yeah. Like, I didn't start drinking until I was in London when I accidentally got drunk by some Brit who kept giving me Red Bull and vodka and told me it was Red Bull. And then I... Didn't like... you taste it and you're just like... No, because I never had alcohol before. How am I supposed to know? I never had Red Bull either. Red Bull wasn't a thing here yet. 
I'm older. You don't know what the iPhone is. You don't know what your name is. Dude, I, let's, <laughs> let's start. Do you know anything um, at all? Yes. Okay, let us know later. We don't. I don't want to put you on, on the spot right now. I'll think of something I know. Uh, so when you but, were in London, did that change your perspective on things? It did, because then I got to actually see what parts of the world were like in other people outside of Indiana, because that was kind of my, my bubble for oh. my life. And I really loved London, and I started going, I traveled all over by myself the entire time I was there. Every weekend I was somewhere new. And I just, I went to like Prague, and I, just all over, like I loved it. And then I came back, I didn't, I begrudgingly came back, because I was like, I think I found my new home, I want to live in London. Of course. And um, then I, st- I had another year at Ball State, and I did an exchange program in Los Angeles. So I did two different exchange programs in five years of college. And while I was out here, I was had the opportunity to do background work and find out what central casting was. Yeah. So I did my first central casting. When you, when you got when you got a central cast, I've been there once years <laughs> when I first moved here, and it seems like a very, you know, interesting. It is an interesting. Interesting. That's yes. the word I'll use. It yeah, is. I haven't been there in years. Yeah. I'm sure my profile is still there, but it's really out of date. Yeah. It's probably the same headshots I still use, but. <laughs> but <laughs> Oops. You can use headshots for 15 years, right? That's they want you to I've do it every 15 years. I've definitely been doing mine for at least 11. <laughs> every, every 15 years, you got to you got to change it. Yeah. When you came to LA, uh, where where what like where'd you stay in Los Angeles? So I was I was on an exchange program, yeah. so I stayed at the dorms at Cal State Los Cal Angeles. Okay. And so I was in the dorms again. Those dorms were like six deep too. I don't know why we always live so many people in a place. It's a yeah. lot of us living together. So I guess it's an L.A. thing, though, too. Sure. Like, I feel like my, all my neighbors have at least eight people in their apartment. Yeah. Like, one bedrooms with, like, eight people. Yeah. But um, I, I, st- I stayed on the dorms, and then I went to my first um, casting thing mm. for Central. So I was an extra in a movie called um, Freaky Friday. Okay. Freaky, Not the original, the remake with Lindsay Lohan. Right, yeah. And I was there with hundreds of people in the front lawn of the school, and I met up with these guys who juggled fire and had snakes, and I went and stayed the night at their place. Ooh. Because. Those jugglers. Those jugglers. They Ooh, got you the, know, those hands. They got a rep. Ooh, yes. Yeah. They're coordinated. They can juggle balls, yes. I guess, right? That's, That's what a girl wants. Yeah, A guy course. who can juggle, juggle his balls well. Yeah. Um, so I stayed over there, not because it was a thing, but they all said, we're going to an audition tomorrow. You can come with us. And so a bunch of us crashed at this guy's place, and we went to this audition in the morning for, it was an open call for extras. And so it was like a four or five hour day waiting in line just to get in to get your picture taken, like a Polaroid. And this woman had the worst day ever. Her name was Tammy Smith, and she had had the worst day. She had to call 911 on people who were, f- like, fist fighting in line. Like, it was awful. Was that, is that, was that the what the audition was for? No. Oh, this is a real person? Just, this is a real person. That was the casting director oh. that was trying to get extras from Polaroids. Oh, this okay. was back before, like, yeah. the, you know, we're trying to yeah. Polaroids. So we're just standing in line, and we get in there, and I'm like, this poor woman. Like, I felt for her, because I'm yeah. from Indiana, so yeah. I'm still nice and not jaded yet. And I was like, have a good day. Don't kill anybody. <laughs> and she was like, put your headshot in that box. Yeah. And it was okay. Really? Casters just really love when you do the extra chit-chat usually. That's well, weird. <laughs> but, you know, because we literally, like, she had hours of people just yeah. waiting to get their picture taken. And that's all I said. And she said, put your put your headshot in that yeah. box. So I did. And she called me a couple weeks later. And she said, you want to audition for a speaking role in the in the movie? And I was like. Freaky oh, Friday. Okay. Or is it a different movie? This was for a different movie. This was for Along Came Polly. Oh, okay. Freaky Friday is where I met everyone who right, told me okay, about the yeah. open call. So I get there to this, to this audition. And I have to sing. And I'm. I'm not good under pressure when I sing. I'm not that great when I sing on without pressure, uh, right. but I'm worse under pressure. So I'm like all over the place, but I'm dedicated. And I'm singing like every song from Jesus Christ Superstar. And the director's like, cool. And then he has this woman who sings an aria yeah. next to me. And she's beautiful and black. And that's what they wanted. But he gave me the role anyway, because I was so passionate about wanting to be there. And I love Jesus Christ Superstar. And I had this like long story about how I wanted to do it in college and I didn't audition for the right role and and blah blah blah. Anyway, he gave me the role and I was super excited and I got tapped Hartley on my very first audition. Yeah. And so that's amazing. I mean that's like an amazing I got to work with Philip Seymour Hoffman and Masi Oka who played Hero and Heroes and I, they made me lip sync because <laughs> I was such a bad singer. So and your Philip... speaking role was you moving your mouth 
but somebody else's voice. <laughs> because I was such a bad singer, they gave me a singing role. Yeah. And then they didn't let me sing it. Yeah. Because. But they, you got like, the credit for. But I got it. yeah, I got the same contract that yeah. I had. I would have had, and I got Either my Taft Hartley and everything. Yeah. And um, Philip Seymour Hoffman and in the scene was supposed to um, be on the phone, and I'm singing, and he's just like telling me to be quiet. And um, he kept asking, he's like, John, can she just can she just sing, please? It's easier than trying to listen to this earbud thing. And he's just like, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, yeah. she don't. But he didn't want to be mean and be like, you can't sure, sing. Yeah. I'm sure, but I'm sure that was why. He was like, she's a terrible singer. But he was so sweet. He came up on like the third day of shooting and he knew it was my dream to play Mary Magdalene and yeah. Jesus Christ Superstar. And I told him, like, I know I'm getting too old. I'm never going to be able to play it. And he was just like, because you know, I was like 20. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And he's just like, how does it feel to play your dream role? And I was like, oh, my God, what a nice guy. And then I had this, like, false um, understanding that everyone in L.A. was just nice and wanted to help you from my very first job, yeah. which is not the case. Not that they're not nice, but not everyone is out to make you successful. <laughs> no, it's – yeah, it's, nobody owes you anything. Right. You know? like, and there's a lot of ta- – there's tons of talented people and a limited amount of places to put them. Right. But I got excited, and so I moved here because I figured, well, that was that, easy. I mean, listen, people move here for way less. Yeah. You know, I thought that, that's a pretty good, that's a good reason. But I was just like, oh, that was easy. Everyone said it was going to be so hard, so it's easy. I'm just going to live here. So I moved here and then spent a couple years working in real estate and had no furniture and had people breaking into my apartment. Where? No what parking. part of town were you in? Koreatown. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then I moved to Hollywood. Yeah. So you, when you first moved here, you kind of thought like, okay. I Here thought, yeah. it's Indiana, just well, and bigger. You already have, and you, but yeah, you kind of had a credit, so you probably were yeah. like, this is, this is, and then, so you got into real estate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I worked a temp job, because I was trying to make ends meet and just pay the rent. Because rent here, basically rent back home was like 485 a month or something, and here it was like 845 mm. a month for like the crappy place that I lived. Because now I don't even think you could find a place for 800 I feel no. like. And so, like, it was so expensive. I had no idea. Did you have any, like, network of friends? Uh, no, I didn't know anybody. Yeah. I mean, I knew the girls I lived Phil with. Philip Seymour Hoffman, I mean, you know Yeah, him. I was friends with me and he, Phil. We went way back. I mean, he's pretty and... the closest person to you at that point. But, yeah, I mean, like, I, I had met him and, like, these people on set. But it wasn't like you become friends with people for working three or four days on a movie. Like, you you can. But everyone else on the movie was established here, and they already had friends. Like I moved here for that role because it shot over New Year's and Christmas, uh, like break basically. So I went home and like got my stuff and, and moved back out and lived in an apartment just to shoot the movie. <laughs> so I like took the first apartment that I found that didn't seem like the scariest thing mm-hmm. on the planet, and just stayed here with no other job like ahead of me or anything. What I did your no family idea. think? What were they? I, they were supportive. Yeah. I'm sure they thought I was nuts, but yeah. they were supportive. What? Uh, um, so working in real estate, did you get your real estate license? No, no, I just so I got a temp job, and I worked in. When I say worked in real estate, I worked originally as like the front desk person at um, an apartment complex with like five apartment buildings over in Westwood. So I was just fancy, like, yeah. And there were all these actors that lived there, like. Um, Oh gosh, Shane West I think lived there, and like all these people. Because I get their scripts and I take it up to them, and felt really important because I'd like knock on their door and be like, "Your script came," you know, and whatever. They're like, "Yeah, great." <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Okay, I'm not gonna learn those lines anyway." Whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know, so I was just like, um, like around people, but I didn't really have any understanding of how to break into the business. So I'm sitting at a front, like a front desk of an apartment building as the receptionist. Daily, and then I get promoted to the corporate office of a real estate company, the same one. They, they promoted me. So I moved to Santa Monica and lived on 3rd Street and, like, worked for the – like, an admin assistant to these, like, big real estate people who owned the company, like, property. That's expensive, too, over. though. It was. Yeah. So I got low-income housing, and I was the on-site manager for the building. Oh, okay. So. And I was still paying $900 a month. Oh, and I had no parking, and I lived in a 300-square-foot handicap-accessible apartment. So most of my apartment was a bathroom. And I didn't have a stove. I just had like a little tiny sink and like a hot place. It was sad. Yeah. I lived there for a year. So what's what do you what like what's your next move in in, the, in like you know because you've because you know what you're doing now. I mean you're doing a lot of different things. But does when does the ventriloquism come in? You mean out here? In general. In general. Well, I started doing ventriloquism when I was five. Because that's one of those things where I was like. Uh, and you probably know better than me. It's like, uh, is it a 
a, gr- a, gr- a growth uh, skill, like where a lot of people are getting into it, or is it something that's like I'm not say it's dying. I don't want to use that word, but I f- are there less people now that do ventriloquism than maybe 20 years ago or 50 years ago? I don't know that there's ever been a lot of people that did ventriloquism to begin with. Yeah, um, and what got you into that? Okay, uh- <laughs> you had no friends. Let me guess, no friends. You need somewhere to talk to, so you talk to yourself. Kind of. It's a little sadder than that. Oh, okay. Good. Good. <laughs> oh, yay. Yay. Yeah. Sad stories. Yay. That's, it's good for story. We, yeah. we love Sad depression yeah. on the podcast. Um, so I was, I was really little, and um, my brother was born prematurely. He okay. was very sick. Okay. And so he was at the hospital, and we lived at a place called the Ronald McDonald House. And there was a little kid at the Ronald McDonald House that had a gizmo doll from the Gremlins movie. Oh, yeah. And it would whisper in her ear, and then she would tell me what he said. But he wouldn't talk to me because he didn't like me. <laughs> well, I was going through a lot because yeah, my brother was sick yeah. and everything was, and we were living in this place. And like, so I had a teddy bear and I made him talk to everybody else but this one little girl so she could hear. Because I kept saying, Your gizmo isn't really talking. And like, she's like, Yeah, he's talking. I'm like, Well, okay, my bear is talking and he's going to talk to everybody but you. And so she could hear him talking to everyone, yeah. but he wouldn't talk to her. That's ice cold. So I just made, I, I just did it out of spite um, because I was going through a lot. And then, um, when we eventually my brother passed away when he was three and so i had these invisible friends that i used as like friends to talk to because we lived 11 miles from like a gas station in the middle of cornfields and mint fields so there wasn't anybody around and so i would use these invisible friends and my teddy bears and everything and i would make them talk well then i had a puppet and my parents um let me go on stage and do shows at the like francisville follies and we would do these like little talent show type things and then eventually, when I got a little bit older, I was still a kid, I did what's called a Shriner's Grief Camp. It's for kids who's lost lost loved ones. So basically, other kids who had death in the family that they were having a hard time coping with were at this camp. And I came and performed for them and told my story. And then um, I shared my talent with them. And how do you, like, how is, how do you, I mean, I know it's probably, you know, probably a little more than you could probably tell but like what is what is the basis of ventriloquism like would you say like it's obviously don't move your mouth don't move your mouth right <laughs> and now do you think it's something any like if, if like i couldn't be I, I could practice forever and ever and ever and i could not be a professional basketball player right for example like people are like oh you can do anything no you can't um but ventriloquism is something, if people practice a practice or is it something that like n- not everyone's gonna be able to do it um I am of the school that, yes, anyone could do yeah. anything they put their mind to it. Yeah. Like, I think if you really desperately wanted to be a professional basketball player, you could find a way to do it. Um, Starting right now? If you really wanted to, you could I find don't believe a that. way. No, I, don't believe, I don't believe in that. <laughs> I mean, you yeah. may have to have a lot of money to buy your way onto a team, but you could do it. Okay. All right. <laughs> you could All right. do it. Yes. Yeah. Um, to be a, a good ventriloquist, I don't know if everybody can do it. I do believe that everybody can be a ventriloquist. Right. It's just being a successful. I mean, and I don't, I don't know if there's a whole lot of success. That's, I mean, I don't know. There's not a lot of successful ventriloquists. Did out you? There. You, are you self-taught? Like, yeah. like that. I didn't know it was a thing. I didn't even know there was a thing called ventriloquism. People are like, "Well, who'd you look up to? How'd you learn?" I just did it to spite that kid at Ronald McDonald House. <laughs> so vengeance was. I your just purpose. didn't yeah. know that it was hard. I yeah. thought, well, how do I make my teddy bear talk? He's not going to really talk, so. I'll put a voice in his mouth, and if she sees my mouth move, she's not going to believe that it's him, so I have to not move my mouth. And, like, that was how I, I just did it then. And I, and I was really good at it, naturally. What is the – did something you also had to probably practice, too, even though you were – no? I was just naturally good at it as a kid. And what is it, like, uh, structurally, what is it – I know your mouth is closed. You're not moving your mouth, but you're talking. Is it, mm-hmm. like, a positioning of, like – your tongue or your teeth or yeah. whatever, yeah. Yeah, it's just, um, it's. Re- I teach it also. And I've taught people who were really, like, bad to start, and they got better. Yeah. And they got pretty good, actually. Some of them are pretty pretty good, pretty skilled. Um, there's a whole lot of things that go into being a ventriloquist. Primarily, you don't move your lips, and you have to be understood. If you don't move your lips, and we can't understand you, right, there's it's... no point. If you're talking, and your lips are moving... You're not doing ventriloquism. Also, uh, you also you have to be mindful of moving the puppet. Well, that is another part of There's it. Another, but you yeah. don't have to have a puppet to do ventriloquism. Right. Yeah. You can do it without a puppet. Uh-uh. Um, ideally, you want to get good at puppeteering too, so you can do ventriloquism with a puppet. You also want to have entertaining content. 
and you need to be able to, you know, keep people's interest. Create a character and, you and know, separate yourself from that character. Sure. Um, my strengths as a ventriloquist lie in my ability to have multiple personalities that are very distinct from one another that I kind of believe are real. Like, I know logically that Darlene is my dummy and that I am doing things for her or that Susie Q is a puppet and I am doing things for her. But there are moments where they will say something before I've really had a chance to think up what I'm about to do when I'm improvising and they'll make me laugh. I mean, it's just like how you could make, you could make a, a comment in an improv or whatever and you could make yourself laugh. Yeah. But it's different because I feel like I'm laughing at someone else's joke. Right. Like you're like outside looking in yeah. instead of being So I'm really good at separating myself from yeah. these characters without being super, super crazy. Um, and then I'm also very technically skilled because I was just naturally good at it. It wasn't like I, I learned and taught myself. It's kind of like someone who's just good at math and you're like, I'm so jealous. I wish I was good at math. But they just kind of take it for granted. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of like I feel bad, but I kind of take it for granted. The technical skills are just – they just came naturally to me. But I can teach them. Um, there are different techniques and exercises. A lot of it is those warm-up articulation exercises you learn as an actor – you get your tongue warmed up and your tip of the teeth, top of the tongue, that sort of thing. Unique New York, you need New York. Um, actually, if you can do unique New York, you need New York, you know you need unique New York, you can do that without moving your mouth. Okay. Because you don't actually use your lips for those words. Oh. It's one of the easiest tongue twisters for a ventriloquist. Yeah. Where Peter Pratt picked back up pickle peppers is one of the hardest. Because there's a lot of... Because you have plosives. Are, yeah. Which are the p, p or the b sounds. Okay. All right, so... Yeah. Uh, then, you know, you're at the front desk of the Santa Monica. You're in Santa Monica. You're I moved to Santa Monica. I was the admin yeah. assistant. Yeah. How do you, uh, like, like uh, when you're sitting there, what are you thinking? Like, where do I go from here? Or I'm like, I'm making money. Um. So at first I was just like, okay, I'm making ends meet. This is good. And then I started thinking, well, what can I do to be acting again? And so I joined a theater company, and I became the partner in the theater company. So there was the creative director and our artistic director, and I was the the other director, the one that handled all the business of everything. So half of my time at work, I was on the phone yeah. calling actors to set up auditions yeah. and stuff, and my, uh, wait, my so boss- This is a theater company in LA? It was in LA. Yeah. It's, it's not around anymore, it was Ethos at the time. Okay. And um, my, boss, my boss finally came out one day and said, I don't mind if you do that, but you have to hide it better. Yeah. Didn't like not, not just do it in front of me, like pretend like you're working for us. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, okay. okay. Um, and so I started to really feel like I was getting everything done at work really fast and then just having all this extra time and doing it for other stuff. And and I was just like, you know, I really am not enjoying working in real estate. I didn't come out to L.A. to work in real estate. I came out here to be an actor. And so I quit my job. And I went to an audition at Universal and became a dancing monkey. Okay. And so I started. Does that involve costume? Yeah, I was Curious George in the dancing trolley show. So I was dressed up as a dancing monkey and I would dance in this trolley show and then I was playing Angelica and Patrick the starfish and Spongebob in the park and I was back into like at least performing sure not making great money but performing and I somehow ended up I got on like LA cast one of those websites where you submit yourself and I got an audition for a smile commercial like a print commercial and I was there at this print ad commercial smiling for this cameraman and I kept talking to him because I was doing ventriloquism. Mm. And so I'm continuing to talk, but I'm not moving my mouth and I'm smiling and posing. And he starts to kind of understand there's a disconnect with what's happening yeah. here and what's in front of him and what he's hearing. And he's like, what, what are, you, are you talking? And I was like, yeah, I'm a ventriloquist. I'm a professional ventriloquist. I won this championship and da, 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 you know. Um, and he was like, oh, you should meet my wife. So I went in the building and met his wife and she was the head of a talent agency. Oh. And so I got my first agent. Are they, the agency still around? My, no, it was actually my second agent. My first agent I got from a postcard yeah. from Along Came Polly, but yeah. it wasn't like a, I didn't do anything yeah. with them. So I had – they were the first one that I worked with. So I, I I, I met her. She's like, yeah, you can be part of my kids' program that I do for, like, parties and stuff. She never mentioned, like, signing with us as a talent for an actor. Right, like theatrically. But I never mentioned to her that that was what I wanted. So I took her card. I went home, and then I realized who she was. I called her up, and I said – I'm also looking for across-the-board representation as an actor. She's like, okay, great. Just bring your stuff in, and we'll put you on the roster. No problem. Because <laughs> we would talked for a long sure. time. Sure. She was great. So I dropped everything off, and then there was nobody there when I dropped all my paperwork off. She was in New York um, on a trip, and the other partner at the company was sick at home. So I, I forced the front desk girl to call him 
and put them on speakerphone yeah. so I could introduce myself. Okay. And I said, if you need anything, let me know. I work, I've work. i got office work experience. I'd love to intern or whatever help you or figure out how this industry works. And he's like, great. And then, you know, he hangs up because he's sick and he doesn't really want to talk to actors. A couple days later, I get a, a call from him. He's like, hey, were you serious about helping? I said, yeah. Do you need help? He's like, yeah, can you go in the office? No one's been there for three days and we're really behind on our phones and everything. And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Now, I've never done anything in the entertainment industry besides that one job, really, and like one print job. Um, I go in and I basically take over the office for a few days. And then I kept interning and I ended up heading up their kids' department as a theatrical agent for a while and commercial agent um, while I was still trying to do acting. And then I eventually booked a couple of movies back to back that were pretty big. And one took me out of the country for a few months. What were those? Uh, I did Along Came Polly. Sorry, I did Along Came Polly first. I did um, what's it called? Maid of Honor. Okay. Maid of Honor with Patrick Dempsey and Michelle Monaghan. I booked that, I think, the same week or two weeks. And um, what did you do in that? For... I played the psycho blogger. Okay. The crazy girl yeah, yeah. who like stalks I Patrick. See. Okay. Yeah. You can, he's like, I see how you I can see. be a psycho yeah. blogger. Yeah, no, I did. I was I was crazy, like smiley, come yeah. up and I'm like, Hey, hey, yeah. how are you? And and when I watched that at the theater, it was kinda devastating. Because yeah. it was the first time I saw people laugh at me. Yeah. And they weren't necessarily laughing with me. Right. <laughs> like I walked on camera, I hadn't said anything yet, and they just started laughing and I was like, Oh gosh. Yeah, they're like, This is gonna be good. Why why is everyone laughing at me? Do I look that nuts? And like apparently I do. But you know. I had to had to learn that about myself. I didn't know. But then I, I went to Toronto and I shot American Pie Beta House. Okay. Well, since I was gone from the office for such a long time, I ended up turning over my clients to one of the other agents and then I got out of the agenting business, which was good for me because I didn't really want to do that either. I wanted to act. But it's crazy how like when you're out here trying to make ends meet, you just end up in all these other careers sure, that you yeah. don't want. Yeah. But I mean – Did you have to like – did you do extra – any? Any other training out here, or just kind of yeah. use your? No, I, I did. I, I did. I went to um, Ivana Chubbuck. I yeah. went to Beverly Hills Playhouse. Yeah. I went to Groundlings. I went to um, Improv Olympic. Yeah. I taught classes at LA Connection mm. for a while. Um, I taught classes at Flappers for mm. a while after I was taking them yeah. there. You know, like it, it. Yeah, yeah. You have to train. I mean, it's not like you yeah. just show up and I, not that you can't just show up and yeah. know the right people and not be very talented or skilled like you could i suppose do that i wouldn't recommend it but a lot of your connections come from classes sure so it's really important keeps you in the keeps you in the loop of what's going on yeah and, it, and you want to keep your skills sharp that's what's so great about doing content creation for the internet mm. which is what i'm doing now along with acting that's what i know you from that's how we know each other is that because it's that ability to create content and keep your skills sharp every day for an audience with that immediate feedback from your audience of what's funny, what's not, what's working, what's not. And you can tell whether or not they like a character that you're doing or if they like the way you're going with that. It's a very honest kind of, you know what I mean, litmus yeah. test of, of what's going on. So how do you, what makes you, like at what point are you like, hey, I'm going to, because I know, I, for me, I was, you know, uh, improv for year, you know, long time doing improv and I was just like, uh, putting all my value in like, uh, was the improv show good or did my commercial audition go well? And then I kind of fell into the YouTube world like 10 years, whatever amount of years ago. Um, and, uh, you know, you, it's kind of like you're all in with that eventually. Did you have like a moment where you were like, Hey, what is this online stuff? And how do my, how do, because you know, you're auditioning a lot, um, in in that world, like what, when did the kind of the world, you know, shift or get added on or whatever? So two years ago, I did a film where I played Steve Gutenberg's like teenage daughter. Mm. And I am well past playing teenage daughters in my actual life yeah. <laughs> at this point. Yeah. And that was kind of the point where I talked to my agents and I said, you know, I love that you think I'm young and I love that they cast me in this, but it was it was kind of uncomfortable laying in bed next to this like 20-year-old kid pretending I'm underage when I am like old enough to practically be his mother at this point. Like sure. I, I feel really weird in some of these positions yeah. that they're going to put me in if I keep playing teen. Could you possibly submit me for like mid-20s? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Can we, can we, we start we just, off there? Yeah. Can we go up five years yeah. from where you think I am and put me in that category, that demographic? And so I changed my team a little bit. My manager was still sending me out for really young. And my, my new agent was sending me out for a little bit older than I am in real life, which is not really what I play either. And so I wasn't really getting auditions. 
and I was still doing ventriloquism. I do I do it mostly for corporate events and colleges. I travel around and and, and open for other comedians um, at like college events mostly through like the NACA program and stuff. So I wasn't really working doing what I wanted. I was doing ventriloquism. And I got this booking notice from a company called Live.me. Okay. And they asked me to do an event. And I said, oh, okay, can you explain more about what this event is? Because it looks like you want me to download an app on my phone. That's not an event. That's downloading an yeah. app on my phone. Can you clarify? So they brought me into their office back in Santa Monica. And I met with everybody. And they gave me a shirt. And they like got me on board with this app. And they said it's basically like Periscope, which I was an early adopter on Periscope. I just stopped doing it because it wasn't monetizing. Yeah. And it was a lot of time involved to not really kind of get – a lot of benefit from it. And I wasn't doing entertainment. I was just kind of covering news stories locally and stuff. So I was just like, you know, I understand Periscope, but I don't really understand this gifting thing or anything. So I got onto this platform and I, I started getting these these shows where they would put me at the top of the the board. When you would come on to the app, the first thing you would see are the like the top shows. And I would be one of those for like once a week or twice a week, something like that. And I was doing these things where I would take Darlene, my big dummy, who's the size of a three-year-old, and I would carry her around like Los Angeles and go down to Hollywood Boulevard, and she'd talk to people on the street. With somebody holding the camera. And my friend was following me with my camera. phone, okay, yeah. and like it's not even a camera, it's just a phone, you know, because yeah. like, it has to be through the the, the Wi-Fi app, or yeah. through the LTE, it has to be through the app. So she's carrying my phone around, following me, and and I grew an audience there pretty quickly. Um, then they invited me to come to VidCon and perf like to not perform but to like do panel. improv yeah. stuff on their yeah. little panel at the booth and at the same time uh, because I was already like got my tickets for VidCon and I was like I'm gonna go I saw this notice about awesomeness the awesomeness people awesome yeah so I submitted to them and they had me perform on the stage at VidCon so it's my first year at VidCon I've only been doing this social media stuff since February I'm at VidCon now and I'm doing the thing on the stage and people are noticing me and I'm getting all these fans and at that point I had found out about Musical.ly so I joined Musical.ly I gone to this big party for Live Me and met all these other creators and influencers. I didn't even know influencer was a word. Right. I mean, I knew that there were people with influence. I mean, it's I a bad word, but it's a word. It's a word. Yeah. yeah but yeah. I didn't even know it. Like, yeah. I had never heard that. I didn't know anything about like the social media stuff. I had YouTube, but it's not like I really posted on YouTube. I've had YouTube for eleven years. Got my first YouTube check this month. Whoa! After eleven years. Nice. I'm a successful L YouTuber. The long game. Oh yeah. Gotta play that long game. <laughs> But, you know, like I didn't I, – I knew that there was YouTube, but I didn't really, as an actor, see any benefit in this internet thing because it was just that internet thing. And I didn't think it was going to ever go anywhere or do anything. It's just the internet. It's not film and TV, which is all my mindset was. So I'm doing the, the app stuff, and then I started getting all these other apps, and then I started meeting all these people, and then suddenly, like, I'm a creator. And I'm like a, a kind of a, an up and coming influencer, I suppose, if you want to have to use the term. But like, you know, I'm I'm building this these sort of like communities and all these different platforms. And I started to really enjoy making content and being able to like what is your, control my own your like husband or fam. Like, you know, what do they like? What do people think of that? Like in your in your real world. So my mom basically downloads everything that I'm on and watches it. And comments, and she's awesome. Um, my dad doesn't do as much on the internet. He he's more of like he'll watch it, but he doesn't want to have an account. Right, he doesn't right. want anyone to like get his credit card information. Sure, he doesn't want to end up on some list. Yeah, yeah. And we don't. He doesn't want like telemarketers emailing him. I guess. <laughs> Fair enough. So, but he'll still watch. Um, the rest of my family, pretty much, I don't think they watch any of it. Yeah. Like, I don't know if they really know I do it. I might. No. What's funny is I actually connected with. Family that I didn't even know that I had through social media. There was one young girl that reached out to me. I, I mean, she's she's kind of extended family, I suppose. Or but she reached out to me and she said that I knew her mom, and she was a fan. Yeah. And so finally, I I kind of went through and I figured out who she was. She's my cousin's sister. Oh. Uh, her my cousin's sister's daughter actually, but it was my cousin's sister that she was referencing, and. But it was from like his, his his stepsister, I guess. So, like she's family, but she's sure. I don't know how she's family, but she's still family. And I knew her, grew up knowing her, and I thought that was so cool because I didn't realize she had kids. Like I had lost touch with her, and so it was really neat to to be like, oh wait, this this person who contacted me on the internet because they liked my content, then showed their mom and realized that we're related. 
and they didn't even know I was doing this and I didn't I didn't know what they were up to. So I've connected a few times through things like that where someone's like, oh, you're friends with my mom from school or, you know, and, and I forget how big the reach of the internet is because... Yeah. Thousands of people on there. At least. At well, least. maybe up, upwards to a thousand. Upwards to I, a I thousand. would say, yeah. What's your day-to-day like? Oh, wow. Um... As well, much as you want to, as much as you want to discuss, there's about two hours in the morning of cat cuddling. Okay, and after that's complete, I shower and eat, and start playing on my phone until my husband gets home, and then we have dinner. Okay, <laughs> that's kind of my day. Um, but you could be you're 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 cranking out a lot of content. I am cranking out a lot of yeah. content, like a lot. Like so when does that happen? Than I thought. I would ever do. Yeah. Do you feel um, an obligation or do you feel a compulsion to be like, oh, am I, you know, because that's the thing with, you know, all these apps and, you know, all the social media and everything like that. It's like this obligation or compulsion to like keep feeding that machine. Yes. Yeah. Because if you stop. Right. Then no one one comes back and (laughs) everyone forgets that you exist. And then you're no one again. You're back to that person that's just playing on their phone for real. You're just like a human being with like, like the love of a family. Yeah, and, and like cats. Friends. Yeah, it's like, what is that? A, that's, that's nothing. That's not enough. No, that's nothing. No, I need that outside You need that comment of, of or, yeah. The, of the 30 people that follow me. How many videos do you say, you would you say you create <laughs> on an average week? It uh, doesn't week? matter how, how short let's go, it is. Let's go with a day. All right. Let's go with a day. Um, on an average day, I post on one, two, three... Four, five, six, seven platforms. I would say. And how many different vi- like how many different? And I do at least one per platform. Okay. Um, certain platforms like like I yeah. try to now. This was before I started doing a lot of collabs and hanging out with other people and like leaving my apartment. Uh, when I'm just at home all day by myself and I don't have any outside distractions, I would say I do between five and ten on one platform. I do five, um, at least five on Mondays for Musical.ly, sometimes six or seven. Um, And that's just that one day. So I'm doing, I mean. 25,000 a day? (laughs) 10 to 15 a day. Original, 10 or 15 unique videos. Per per day, like on on a busy day, on a good day. On a bad day, seven. On a bad day, seven is my minimum. Um, and then, I mean, like re- on a really, really bad day, like if I'm dead sick or something, I'll post private account stuff that I had made before I wasn't, right, and like wasn't really account. happy with. Yeah, but you're like, well. But like, I'll keep it and yeah. then I'll post it later. On like the holidays when I know I'm going to be out of town, I, ahead of time now, will crank out at least 10 to 20 videos a day and save half of them and then I will use them when I'm out of town and I'm unavailable with the puppets because I use the puppets mm-hmm. and I don't want to carry yeah. you know seven puppets with me everywhere I go so if I'm going to like a meet and greet where I'm just going to be out of town for three days I'll take like a little puppet with me and I'll just have one so I can do some some content and I'll do stuff without the puppets but if I'm going to be like flying back to Indiana for Christmas I'm not taking a bunch of stuff with me because it's hard enough to travel in the holidays and to like not worry about trying to do all this content every day. You've got to see your family. You have to have your life too. So I'll have it all preset and ready to go um, per day, and I'll do the minimum per day during the holidays. Just to keep everything afloat. And then I'll keep an eye on the hashtags and the trending concepts that are happening on each platform. And if something comes up that I think that I could like just knock out really quickly, I'll do it. Some Indiana-based humor? Yeah, it's like some snow-based humor sure. or something, like throwing water at the like the freezing cold. And sure. Something like that, like that I could do with my family. Um, things, you know, that, that would be fun. Sometimes I, I was still live streaming when I went home last year and I still tried to live stream it every day. Yeah. Oh, I just, it was hard. It's hard. It's hard yeah. to try to do all of that. Cause I also try to live stream, you know, and I've got three platforms that I live stream on and I can't do the stream. I do like, okay. I do live me. Okay. And I do uh, lively slash musically, yeah, okay. which is now just musically, right? Yeah. They got rid of the lively platform. So, yeah. and it's very confusing. So I'm trying to do those three platforms to live stream. I don't do it daily yeah. at all. Yeah. I, I would love to. But three that would be like three hours of live streaming a day minimum plus, you know, fifteen videos or whatever. Like it gets to it gets to add up time wise. And then once a week I do this news show for like that takes like at least five hours. 
to do. It's a three minute show and it takes like five hours because I have to research all the news and then write the stories and then do the humor and then double check that I didn't get anything wrong because I don't want to misinform anyone of a news story. I mean, it, it, these little things that seem like they don't take very long that look like they're kind of thrown together sometimes take hours. So So, it's time consuming. Yeah. So what's next? What's your next, what's the next for you? Um, More, just more? More, more. I I really want to, I do really want to focus on my own show at some point. Like that's all I've ever really wanted. My, like my goal when I moved to LA was have my own sitcom. Yeah. That's all I really want. I mean, once I have it, I'm sure I'll want more. But like my my ultimate goal has always kind of been have my own sitcom. And so I'm kind of looking at how can I make that happen if I have to to write it and do it myself? Or do I just continue with a short content and wait until I'm cast in something? Like it's it's hard because I'm not I don't consider myself a writer. My husband writes, but I, I don't consider myself a writer like that. Like I definitely write content and create content, mm-hmm. but it's seven to fifteen seconds is a lot different than writing a thirty-minute sure, yeah. show for multiple people. Like that's that's a different style of writing, and I don't have the patience or the energy to figure that out. So it's a lot of doing the same. Um, I started a YouTube channel. Like I have three YouTube channels. I have my regular one, which is just kind of stuff I just try to post once a week, just because. I need to get in the habit of posting on YouTube. Then um, I have my haunt girl stuff, which is my whole other side of me where I do escape rooms and haunted houses. Okay. And I do reviews on a YouTube channel for that. And then I have my new channel, which I'm really excited about. And I'm not mentioning all my cat stuff, but if you want to watch my cats, they're at Bagheera Fun and they're adorable and they have YouTube, Musical.ly, uh, Instagram, Twitter, like they have everything. They're my cats. But I have um, I have Ava Events, which is kind of my new project right now that yeah. I'm kind of doing my passion thing. Um, and I created her based on my love of Miranda Sings. Okay. And the fact that I'm a ventriloquist and I should take advantage of the fact that I have something that a lot of people don't do. And so I created this kind of quirky, weird little character who's significantly younger than me, but the age I play. And <laughs> she has these little buns on her head and she does the whole YouTube, like she's trying to be a YouTuber. And she's got one friend and his name is Sock and he's a sock puppet. And she's got two cats. Their names are Cat. And her name is Ava Vince. And she sings a little song at the beginning. And she's like, A-V-A-V-E-N-T-Z. That's me. <laughs> I'm Ava. Uh, <laughs> and like, that's, I see it, yeah. That's, that's Ava. And, and she does toy unboxings and like all the like, she tries to do all the trendy stuff that sure, all the YouTubers course, yeah. do. And she's hey guys. trying so yeah. hard. Hey like, guys. But it's not, she's not really good at it. <laughs> but well, she's trying. Where can we find you in all these things? Is it, do you keep so, it uniform? Do I keep it uniform? I try. Um, Ava, her show is yeah. Ava Vents. Okay. She has her own Instagram. It's V-E-N-T-Z. That's me. Um, that's Ava. And that is separate because it's like the the long lines of Miranda. Like sure. it's not meant to be me. It's meant to be a character sure. that's specifically that. Um, so please go follow Ava and comment on her YouTube channels and win her toy giveaways because no one has yet. And she's done like three and no, okay. one's, yeah. no one's even Come on, entered. Get out there and win. Someone win my toys. Um, but I bought I bought so many toys too. I've got so many LOL dolls. Like we're swimming up to our necks in LOL dolls in our mm-hmm. home because somebody I, cash in on that. I won all those money in the Kmart points that I had to spend. Okay, before they went into business, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but everything else is Christine Barger, C H R I S T I N E B A R G E R, Christine Barger, uh, or Instagram. I'm Christine Barger official because somebody else has my name. Mm. If anybody knows that Christine Barger, please have her contact me. I yeah. really, really want my She'll name. She'll pay fifty thousand dollars. I'll pay five dollars. Yeah. Okay. Okay, well, that's fair enough. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.